Well, welcome to the Believer's School of Ministry, and I'm Tom Shanklin, and today we are uh, with our friends in Hyderabad, India, and uh, they're looking good today. Hello, everybody. Hello. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. And we're so blessed. Um, The classes have been going great. We're on lesson six today. And uh, so we've had, you know, we had four lessons that relate to sharing your faith and the basic foundations of faith and so on. And then last week we shared uh, lesson five about the power of the Holy Spirit. And I've heard a report that this group, everyone in this group has uh, already shared their faith outside the class. They've, first of all, role played in the class with one another, but each one has been uh, sharing their faith outside the class with others, so it's exciting to to hear that report, because that's really what it's all about. It's not just about getting a bunch of head knowledge and learning more things, but actually putting it into practice. And so everyone has shared their faith. Everyone is also hungering for more of the supernatural power of God in their life, so we're excited uh, about what's been going on in the class and uh, we're just we're just thankful for uh, the believers in Hyderabad, and also all of those that uh, of you that are watching uh, on YouTube or on our website or listening to the uh, audio podcast. Um, before we begin, I'd like to uh, pray and uh, just read a scripture. <clears throat> this is Colossians chapter four, verses five and six. It says, "Walk in wisdom to them that are without." Redeeming the time. That's talking about to Christians to walk in wisdom towards the non-believers, the people around you that don't believe in Jesus. And then it says, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer every man. So I'd like to pray based on that, that each of us uh, would have wisdom in our conversations with the unbelievers and that our speech would be seasoned with salt. Lord, I thank you for each and every one that is with us in the class, whether uh, in Hyderabad today or, uh, you know, online. And so, Father, I just, I just thank you uh, for each one, Lord, that is with us, and I thank you, Lord, that you would give us wisdom uh, towards those that are without and that you would help us, Lord, in our speech to be seasoned with grace and to be seasoned with salt and that we would know how to answer every man. Lord, in other words, we're asking for your help. We're learning these things. We're studying the Bible. We're talking together. We're encouraging one another. But, Lord, we confess that we need your help to know how to witness. We can do something in the natural. Thank God for that. But, Lord, we need your supernatural help to talk to people. And so, Lord, we ask you as we continue the class uh, to give us grace and to help us to be alert uh, to the needs of those that are around us. Help us to be spiritually attuned so that when we're maybe we're going to the bank or going to work or we're walking down the street, that we would see the needs of people and we would recognize supernaturally those that are hungry and ready to receive and that we would have the right words to speak to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Lord, continue your work in in the uh, students in Hyderabad and those uh, others that are watching. Continue to help us to grow and nurture us in the fellowship with you. And Lord, we just thank you. We will all be strong witnesses for you, just like you said we would. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the people said? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay. Well, today's lesson is um, cultivating... The fruit of the Spirit. Cultivating the fruit of the Spirit. The purpose of this lesson is to help the believer in Christ to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit so that he or she can be an effective witness and glorify God in their daily life. You know, it's good to learn how to witness, how to share your faith, but also how many know we have to live it? Right? We have to live the Christian life in order to be effective. And, uh, you know, we can do that, or we can try to do it in our own strength, but we we won't be successful until we learn to walk in the Spirit. 
until we learn to yield to the Lord and let him have his way in our life. And so this message is so important. I know every lesson I say, you know, this is a crucial lesson. I guess they are. They're all crucial and important and essential. And this is one of the most important that, that we learn how uh, to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in our life. You know, next week, uh, we're going to be talking about the gifts of the Spirit. You know, if I give you a gift, what do you need to do? Use it. Use it. Yeah, or I was going to say, receive it. Receive it. Receive it. And um, so that's that can be done, you know, instantaneously. You just receive it. So the gifts of the Spirit are instantaneous. The difference with the fruit of the Spirit, how many know fruit takes time to grow? And so the fruit of the Spirit is something that needs to be cultivated and developed in our life and needs to, you know, to grow step by step in our lives. So it's a, it's a lifelong process of growing in the fruit of the Spirit. All right. Uh, we, first point is we are in a war. There's a war between the flesh and the Spirit. You want to say hello, Susan? Hello! Hello. You're good students. Thank you. Bravo. You all get a star. That's what they get give in America. They give stars when you do good. Praise the Lord. All right. We're in a war. So let's read our scripture. It's in Galatians. And, and like I say every time, that our, what we're sharing with you is not out of our own minds. It's out of the word of God. And so that's why it has power and authority. So in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26, it says this. It says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are the contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you are led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And if we live in the Spirit... Let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. You know, uh, as I was reading that, I was thinking about the relation to the scripture we shared in the beginning there. Walk in wisdom towards them that are, that are without. In our daily life, you know, we need to learn to walk in the Spirit. And that means walking in awareness of the presence of God. Because, you know, when we work with the presence of God, we work with the Spirit of God, uh, we'll have success. And so that means walking in the Spirit, being guided by the Holy Spirit. Being guided in the Holy Spirit when you get up in the morning, the way you treat your spouse and your children. And, uh, you know, that you're walking, when you're walking in the Spirit, really, you're walking in love. You know, you're, you've got that Jesus nature flowing through, it, through you instead of that flesh nature. But, you know, the scripture points out here that we are in a war. The flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit lusts against the flesh. So the flesh, even though we're Christians, our body, our flesh, our outward man, a lot of times wants us to do the wrong things. And so we have to learn to yield to our spirit uh, in order so that we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. How many hear what I'm saying today? Can I have an amen? Amen. 
Uh, on our little farm here, we have uh, a three-acre farm. I don't know what that. Is. You probably go by hectares or something over there, but it's it's not a it's not a big place, but it's. Uh, I don't know. I could show you a picture sometime, but we have a little farm anyway. We've got a Pastor Diva can tell you about it. We've got uh, some sheep, and we've got a, a dog and a cat, and we've got a lot of grass to mow, and and there's a lot of weeds that grow up all the time. And also, then we have a garden. We're trying to grow things. We're trying to grow fruit and vegetables, uh, and so forth. Well, we have to cultivate the land. When the weeds come up, we have to. We have to whack them down, you know. And when the fruit comes up, we have to nurture it. We have to take care of the good things, and we have to whack down the bad things. And uh, it's it's a lot of work, you know. And it's the same in our Christian life, you know. We have to whack the weeds and nurture the fruit. So can everybody say, whack the weeds and nurture the fruit? Whack the weeds and nurture the fruit. And that's what we've got to do in our lives, you know, because there are things that are going to spring up that are like weeds, and it's up to us to cultivate our own garden and uh, protect the fruit, you know, and whack down those weeds, those negative <coughs> emotions, those negative activities, the negative speech. Uh, sin, the short way to say it is sin. Get the sin out of your life. Can I have an amen? Amen. So we're talking about growing in godly character. Take care of your own garden, not your neighbor's garden. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, um, that's a good. It's a good point. Sometimes we're always concerned about what everybody else is doing, but God wants us to, you know, take care of our own garden, get the weeds out of our own garden, and uh, let godly character develop in our own life, and we'll be an influence and uh, have a powerful influence uh, to others. Paul mentioned in. Uh, Romans chapter 7 uh, that in his flesh or in in himself that is to say his flesh dwells no good thing so here's a Christian he's one of the strongest believers the apostle of the Lord he says well in my flesh dwells no good thing he says you know if I I'm trying to produce something in the flesh it will not it will not be good so there's nothing good going to come out of the fleshly impulses. You've got to learn to yield to the Spirit. And, uh, you know, he goes on to say there that, uh, oh, oh, wretched man that I am, uh, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? So he came to that place of frustration about the sin that wants to operate in his own life. And he said, you know, he, he kind of throws up his hands. Have you ever been there? You know, well, I'm trying to be good, but I have this, you know, tendency that keeps working in my life. Well, that's where Paul came to. Oh, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then, you know, at the end of that chapter, he says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And, uh, and then he goes on in the eighth chapter, and you might want to make a note of this, uh, Romans chapter 8, 1 through 4. I read that. He said, The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and then it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, uh, condemned sin in the flesh. So it's the power of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit that enables us to, to live that victorious Christian life. And to allow the Holy Spirit to dominate, and the and the sweetness of Christ's personality to come through and produce uh, good fruit in our lives. All right. So this battle we're talking about will continue uh, throughout this life, even though we grow in maturity and develop. There's always that, you know. We always have to be on guard for those weeds. They want to keep springing up. For example, maybe you get angry and, and you say a word that you shouldn't say. And then you'll notice that, you know, that very shortly after you'll have the temptation to say it again, even though you just were blowing off steam and you kind of um, missed it and, you know, so forth. Well, then pretty soon you're wanting to say that same thing again because that spirit works through that, through your flesh, to try to get you going down that path. Well, you have to cut that weed down 
and say, Lord, forgive me for what I said. I repent of that and I turn from that. And I thank you that the fruit of your spirit is working in my life in Jesus' name. So it's through repentance that we cut down those weeds. And it's through yielding to God that the fruit of the spirit uh, can come forth. So we'll talk about here the uh, works of the flesh, and we call this in our lesson weed identification. You know, uh, on our little farm here, we've got a we've got a book that uh, tells us what all the different weeds are, and there's a lot of different kinds of weeds that grow around here. And so, you know, uh, in the book of Galatians, Paul identifies some of these sins. They're like those weeds. And so we're just going to examine what they are. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, and again, as I've mentioned before, we don't have time to look up all these scripture verses. I'm just uh, quoting to them to you or paraphrasing them. But we want you to look them up during the week now, before next week. Study these scriptures out on your own. Look them up in your own Bible. Uh, in your favorite Bible, whatever it is, and study them and meditate and think of them. Because this is a, this is not only just a teaching notes, but it's a study guide for you uh, to study the Word of God. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, Paul is talking to the church at Corinth. And uh, he's encouraging them to grow up spiritually. And he says, For you are yet carnal, Whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? So he's telling them that uh, they're Christians. They've been born again. They've had the experience of the new birth, but he calls them carnal. So this tells me that we, we have in the body of Christ carnal Christians. In other words, Christians that yield more to the flesh than to the spirit. And he identified that weed, you know, in their life. He says, well, you have this ending and strife and division, you know, in your church. The reason for that is that you're carnal, you're fleshly, you're not being ruled by the Spirit. And that's why these weeds are growing up in your midst. Does that make sense? Yeah. Praise the Lord. So, uh, he mentions sins here. The first one is adultery. These are... First of all, these are sexual sins. That's a very important area to keep ourselves sexually pure. And uh, the first one is adultery, which means uh, sexual intercourse with the spouse of another or someone other than your spouse. And the Lord, of course, does not allow that. And we, you know, that tendency, that temptation needs to be resisted. And we need to walk in the love of God towards others in that area. Praise God. And then fornication is sexual, any sexual intercourse outside of marriage. So uh, even if you're not married, of course, you're not supposed to be living with someone else or having sex with someone that you're not married to. God only allows sex inside uh, the marriage relationship. And then there's uh, uncleanness, which, mean, which means uh, morally filthy, impure, lewd, including homosexual uh, behavior, pornography, crude speech, and thoughts. So we're to avoid the impure. That's the area of sexual immorality and the thoughts. And, of course, Jesus said, you know, if you look at a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery with her. So we not only need to be, be clean outward in the things that we do, but also in the things that we think and the things that we say. We need to purge those weeds out of our life because otherwise they'll grow up and produce bad fruit in our life. And then uh, lasciviousness, and, I, and of course in your translations these are words that are probably completely different, but that word that uh, we're, we're drawing here out of the King James Bible, lasciviousness, uh, means excess, absence of restraint, shameless conduct. So we need to be, we need to have self-control <clears throat> in these areas. And then we go on to what we call spiritual sins. And uh, these are sins of in, in the area of the spirit. Not necessarily the flesh, but in the spirit. And so spiritual sins include idolatry. And of course, uh, as you know, you live in a country that's given to a lot <clears throat> of idolatry. It's the worshiping of idols. 
<clears throat> and uh, an idol is an image <clears throat> which represents a false god. And so these false gods are not to be worshipped. God is only to be worshipped. He's a jealous God. And this is a sign, a sin of the mind and heart against God. And then another one of the spiritual sins is witchcraft or sorcery. Uh, the Greek word there is pharmakia, which is, I don't know if you're familiar with that word in your language, but in English uh, there's a related word called pharmacy. So uh, very often sorcery involves drugs uh, and also incantations and different things like that, spells, incantations. Uh, I'm sure that you have heard of or are familiar with witchcraft in your own country. It's an appeal to occult powers uh, with the provision of charms and objects said to have uh, magical powers, amulets and object or jewelry thought to give protection. I know in my travels to India, I've seen uh, many of, of those things. They're different uh, jewelry and things like that that are uh, thought to pr protect people. Many times I've seen them upon children, and this is a form of sorcery, white magic and so forth, or dark black magic. And uh, these uh, pertain to and involve demonic powers, and we want nothing to do with those things. Uh, occult, we mentioned that word, it means uh, supernatural, mystical, or magical beliefs, practices, or phenomena, and the root of that is secret. And by the way, if you're a Christian and you've had these things in your past, you know, you've been involved in any kind of idolatry, which, you know, maybe you have. If you've been involved in the uh, Hindu religion, for example, there's thousands of gods. Uh, just renounce that. In fact, let's just do that right now and just say, in the name of Jesus, I renounce all idol worship, all occult activity, anything pertaining to the demonic, I renounce their stronghold over my life. And I say, Jesus is Lord. Only Jesus is Lord. And I worship the true and living God, the creator of the universe. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, then we go on to the relationship sins. Many sins have to do with relationships, and that's why we have so many problems in the world. That's why we have wars, and, and we have divorce, and we have pain and suffering and violence in, in this world. It's because of these relationship sins. The first one is hatred. Hatred is a negative emotion. It's an enmity. Uh, which is, uh, the root is in, imini, uh, enemy. It's the opposite of agape love, or the God kind of love. So when we're operating in hatred, we're not operating in God. It's a weed that needs to be pulled out so that we can grow in the fruit of the Spirit. And then there's variance, which is contentions, which means to cut in two or to cause division. Uh, you know, the Bible said that God hates those that sow discord among the brethren. And so we really need to avoid that uh, contentious spirit. And then there's emulations, which means jealousy. And that's a jealousy or a feeling of showing envy of someone for their achievements or advantages. Uh, it's a sin. And we need to, you know, when we trust God and we see Him as our Father and our supplier... Uh, it'll deliver us from that evil spirit of envy. And then there's wrath, which means hot anger or passion, an outburst burst of wrath from inward indignation. See, these things uh, flow from within. Jesus said, out of the heart uh, come issue these things, these negative things in our life. They come from within. So we need to cleanse ourselves inside through prayer so that we won't walk in the flesh. 
And then there's strife, which is selfish ambition, uh, contentions, the expression of enmity, debates. And then there is seditions, which is a standing apart, dissension, division. This is why we have a lot of churches split, is over uh, sedition. Someone says, well, I've got the better teaching. Don't listen to the pastor. You know, listen to me. I've got the, I've got the answer. And so they pull people apart. Uh, from one another, that's an evil uh, sin. That's sin, and it's issues really forth from the evil spirit. And then there's heresies, which is related. Heresies it means a choice, choosing an opinion, especially a self-willed opinion that is contrary to the truth of God's word, and leads to division and formation of sex. Uh, sex being s e c t s divisions. Um, so this is an area uh, that causes division in churches is heresy. Someone having an opinion that's different from the Word of God. For example, if, uh, if someone was to teach you, well, it's okay to have sexual immorality. Well, how many know that's contrary to the Scriptures, isn't it? That's a heresy. And heresy, heresy is always, you know, it's, it's, it's brought out here as a work of the flesh, it's because somebody wants the Word of God to say something other than what it says. You know, they, in other words, they kind of make up their own Bible. And that's what a heresy is. So, how, you know, the cure for that is to stick with the Word of God, amen, and to be obedient to it. Um, envyings is the feeling of displeasure produced by witnessing or hearing the advantage of or prosperity of others, including the desire to deprive them of what they have. Murders, as you know, is killing or slaughter. And there again, Jesus said, you know, if you have uh, an evil thought towards your brother, uh, it's like murder, even though you haven't actually committed the murder. So the, these are also things of the heart. And then drunkenness is habitual intoxication, to be drunk. Intoxicate, the root of that word means to poison, you know, uh, alcohol is actually a poison. So when you drink alcohol, you're poisoning your body. And when you continually do that, you're bringing destruction to your body. And, and it's a sin uh, to live in drunkenness. So the Bible said, don't be drunk with wine, where is an excess, but be filled with the Spirit. When you have the Holy Spirit, you don't need drink. You have joy from God by the Holy Spirit. Can somebody say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. All right. And then revelings is carousing or behaving in a noisy way, especially with dancing as a result of plentiful drinking. So uh, that's, you know, partying like you might see in a, in a bar or just a riotous party, people going wild, going crazy, dancing, a lewd dancing and so forth. Uh, it's not of God and uh, it's a work of the flesh. And then he says, and such like. You know, that means other things. There's other works of the flesh besides these. Paul is just enumerating some of them. But these are the kind of things, these are the kind of things that we need to avoid in our life, and we need to whack those weeds through repentance and then cultivate the good fruit of the Spirit through prayer. Can I have an amen today? Well, let's go on and talk about the fruit of the Spirit today. And we call this fruit identification. Uh, you know, on our little farm, we have different kinds of apples. We have strawberries. Uh, we have uh, kale. We have different kinds of greens. We have potatoes. These are things that we've grown, and you can identify what they are. And so Paul lists nine of the fruits of the Spirit here, uh, which are in to be in the Christian's life. And we cultivate these things by uh, keeping the weeds out, nurturing, fertilizing, watering. We need to water these things through the Word of God. We need to confess things through prayer. That you know, Like, for example, many times in prayer, Lord, we confess we walk in the Spirit today, that we love people, uh, we love our enemies, we choose to walk in love today. See, we say these things because we're cultivating the fruit of the Spirit in our life. We're agreeing with God. We thank you, Lord, that we have love in our hearts 
for people who don't love us. We thank you that we have love in our hearts towards our brothers and sisters. Even though we may have disagreements at times, we walk in love because that's the fruit of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's in our life to give us these fruits and to cultivate these fruits in our life. So what is fruit? The fruit is the produce of trees, fields, and the earth by the inherent energy of a living organism. Likewise, the fruit of the Spirit is produced, what? By the life of Christ, excuse me, within the Christian believer. The life force is there in every believer to produce fruit. On our apple trees on our farm, the capacity to produce apples is in that tree. And when it has the ingredients, the light and the air and so forth and the, and the, the fertilizer, it will produce fruit. As Christians, we are new creatures, so we can produce Christ-like fruit. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 10 says, For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable to the Lord. So we're to walk in the light. Producing the fruit of the Spirit is normal for Christians. So everybody say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I produce the fruit of the Spirit. I produce the fruit of the Spirit. I walk in love. I walk in love. I have joy. I have joy. I have peace. I have peace. I have long suffering. I have long suffering. I have gentleness. I have goodness. I have goodness. I have faith. I have faith. I have meekness. I have temperance. I have temperance. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's just take a few minutes to talk about these various fruits of the Spirit. The first one, and I would say the chief one. In other words, the most important one is love. And that's borne out in the Scripture. Now abideth faith hope and charity or faith, hope and love, the greatest of these is love. If there's anything that God is looking for from your life, it's love. Everything that we do as a Christian is based on love. And when we operate in love, we're operating in God. You know, we could, uh, we could give our tithe, you know, we could give our lives even, you know, for the cause. But if it's not based on love, it's not pure Christian actions. We've got to go back to our motivation. What are we doing? Why are you in this class today? It's because of love. It's because we love the Lord and we love his people. And that is really the central thing that God is looking for from your life is love. Love, the word is agape, uh, in the Greek, it's the God kind of love. It's not based on performance or what we can get. It's long-suffering and patient towards those who provoke and injure us. We are not capable of this kind of love without the help of the Holy Spirit. All of the fruit of the Spirit flows out of this fruit. Uh, it's the kind of love that Jesus demonstrated on Calvary. God commended his love towards us that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for the ungodly. And so, uh, we need to recognize that uh, that kind of love is the God kind of love. He didn't love us because we were good enough. He loved us while we were yet sinners. Uh, that love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says that love is in you. Everybody just point to yourself and say, love is in me. And what is love? 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7. Let's just take a minute to read that. That's a, such a key scripture on love. 1 Corinthians 13, and uh, verses 4-7. through seven. And in, in my Bible, it says charity. The word means love or Christian love. God's, the God kind of love. 
The God kind of love suffers long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself seemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never fails. So that's what love is. Love is kind, and love is long-suffering. Love puts up with, you know, the faults of others. God loved us while we were yet sinners, and we need to have that kind of love too. Uh, one of the, the important areas of love is so that people uh, can know that you're Jesus' disciple. They're not going to know that you're a disciple of Jesus because of the name uh, that's on your church, uh, you know, or because you carry a Bible. But when you love, they know something's different about you. You know, our local church that we attend here in the United States uh, has an outreach. Uh, Every Tuesday morning, we have, uh, in the place where our church is, we have... um, coffee and donuts and we just invite people that are walking by to come in and have some coffee and donuts and they come and sit down and we just talk to them and love them encourage them in the Lord and many times we'll ask them you know do you have a prayer need we'll pray Uh, yesterday my wife prayed for um, a young man that was there that had marriage problems and so we're just loving people that's our business as Christians and so that's a great outreach. And that's really what, you know, whether it's coffee and donuts or whatever, whatever way, but what it's all about is loving people. And God's put his love in us so that we can walk in that. That's the fruit of the Spirit. And then the second fruit of the Spirit is joy, which means abiding happiness, not because of circumstance, but because of God's love. When God makes his salvation real to us, joy and thanksgiving spring out of our spirits. Uh, Jesus made the statement, he says, uh, this is my commandment that you love one another, that your joy may be full. When we walk in love, we have joy. And so if you're missing joy in your life, check up on your love quotient. See if you're really walking in love, because when you're walking in love, you will have joy. The Bible said in Nehemiah 8.10 that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Spiritual strength comes from joy. Uh, Joy is available in in spite of suffering. Uh, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 1.6, having received the word in much affliction with joy in the Holy Spirit. So the church there was afflicted by persecution, but yet they had joy. And joy comes when we believe in him. 1 Peter 1.8 says, Whom having not seen you love, though you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy, unspeakable and full of glory. So it's by believing in Jesus that we have joy. And then there's peace. The Holy Spirit brings this spiritual substance to us by an inner assurance that all is well with our soul. We may be going through troubles outside, but down on the inside, we've got peace. It is well with my soul. And so that's, that's the peace of God. The peace, peace of God comes from Jesus by the Holy Spirit. John 14, uh, verses 25 through 27 says, My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives unto you. Uh, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So peace comes from Jesus, from knowing him and comes by the Holy Spirit. Also, peace comes in spite of troubles. In this world you'll have troubles, tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, it says in Isaiah chapter 9. And peace comes when we cast our care upon him and let him know our needs. You know, the scripture said that we're to cast our care upon him. All of us have things that we need, that we're praying for, that we have yet, yet received. The Word of God says, cast your care, all your worries, on him. 
Why? Because he cares for you. So peace is that assurance that everything is going to be all right. Amen. Amen. All right. Now on page 32 in our notes, and I didn't mention for those watching on YouTube or whatever, of course, all the notes are on our website. So go over to TomShanklin.org and uh, find this message under the Believer School. And you'll see all these notes, and you can take them and reteach them, just like uh, the folks in Hyderabad are going to do. They're going to translate this into Telugu and teach it all over um, Andhra Pradesh and everywhere else. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right, so on page 32, then we go on to the uh, fourth fruit of the Spirit, which is long-suffering, or it could be translated patience. That's a challenging one for many of us as Christians, to have patience. And uh, what it means is to bear pains or trials calmly and without complaint. To be steadfast despite opposition, difficulty or adversity, and to manifest forbearance under provocation or strain. How many have ever experienced some pressures in your life? Yes. Well, we need long-suffering to go through those trials and to have peace. And that doesn't mean that we accept everything that's going on in our life. Sometimes things that are happening are from the devil, and we need to resist it, like the Bible said, resist the devil, and he will flee. But at the same time, we need to have peace and have patience and be steadfast. And that's one of the most important characteristics in ministry is patience. I noticed in the Bible that Paul said that it was one of the signs of an apostle was patience. And so, you know, we need that, that kind of spirit to be successful in ministry because there's going to be trials and there's going to be uh, opposition from people that are contrary. And so uh, we need to walk in the spirit and have long-suffering. And then gentleness or kindness. It means goodness of heart, pleasant, gracious, disposed to be helpful, a sympathetic nature. A kind person receives suffering in their daily life by a good word, a smile, an understanding heart, putting people in the best light. So we need to be gentle with people. Uh, in Colossians chapter 3, it says, Put on bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness and long-suffering, uh, forbearing one another. Forbearing means putting up with one another. You know what? None of us are perfect. And uh, I know the biggest room in my house is the room for improvement. We all need to grow, but we also need to give one another grace to grow. And uh, Pastor Diva, as you know, in being a pastor, you have to have that spirit that's patient with people because uh, everybody's not going to change overnight. You preach a sermon on Sunday, and uh, everything's not going to necessarily change right away. But gradually, slowly, people will grow and develop and mature and to come into that fullness of Christ. And so we believe that's happening. So goodness. And then faith. The Greek word is faith, a firm persuasion, a conviction based on hearing, faith in God and his message. Faith as a gift of the Spirit is special faith to believe God. Uh, so we'll talk about faith as a gift of the Spirit in our next lesson. But here we're talking about the faith that comes from being a believer. We have the capacity to believe God. It's a fruit of the Spirit. All right, then there's meekness, which means gentleness. And that's an inwrought grace of the soul. The temper of spirit in which we accept God's dealings with us as good. It's closely linked with the word for, for humility towards God and before men. And uh, First Peter, we gave First Peter th uh, 3, verses 4, and then verse 15. Uh, First Peter chapter three verse four talks about to the ladies that they should have a an ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, and so God encourages women in their role in the household to have a meek and quiet spirit. But then in verse fifteen he talks about all of us, and this also relates to our witnessing that we should know how to give an answer to all men with meekness. So in your witnessing, which is 
you know, this is one of the most important things that we're trying to get across in these lessons is our witnessing. So I want to encourage you just to keep that up as you've been sharing your faith. Keep sharing your faith because that's the that's the one skill uh, that we most want to cultivate is witnessing. But it says to do it with meekness. In other words, we can learn about the Bible. We can know the truths of God's Word. We can be so strong in them that sometimes we get proud, pride. You know, well, hey, you know, don't you know what the Bible says? No, he says to, to share our faith with meekness, with humility. And uh, that will be received by people in a much more powerful way. And then the next one is temperance or self-control. And the root of the Greek word is strength. You know, God gives us strength to resist temptation. That's what temperance is. It can pertain to uh, alcohol. It can pertain to uh, sexual temptation. Uh, it can pertain to uh, the temptation to get angry. We need to have that temperance. It's the strength of the Holy Spirit uh, to resist evil and to do what's right. Okay? So, under the influence of the power of the Holy Spirit to avoid the abuse of natural pleasures and to bring our human desires, impulses, passions, and appetites under control. How many ministries and lives have been destroyed by the lack of this fruit of the Spirit? We have uh, pastors, evangelists, other people with great ministries that have fallen uh, because of temptation. This is something that we need to cultivate. And again, it's not automatic. When it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, it's not automatic. You do have to work at it. You don't have to work for your salvation. Your forgiveness, you're forgiven because of what Jesus did. But now that you're saved, you do have to work at keeping your life clean. Is that right, Pastor Diva? Yes. We do have to put some effort out to pull those weeds. Because we are natural human beings. Amen. And we need to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. And we need to remember, this is not just our own self-effort, though. It's not that something that we're doing in our own strength. The Holy Spirit is your helper to do these things. He will help you uh, to resist temptation. But you need to do your part, which is to yield to Him. See, God did not make us zombies. You know what a zombie is? God did not make us robots. He gave us a free will. And so we always have that choice to do right or to, to do wrong. But by pulling those weeds, pulling that sin out of our life through repentance and through prayer, uh, we can cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. So, uh, temperance is very, very important. And we give the reference there in Titus about the bishop. That's a pastor. The bishop must be blameless, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre. In other words, uh, the, the leader in the body of Christ, and I believe God's called all of you to be leaders in some measure, but uh, needs to control uh, his appetites and control those temptations and, and be temperate in all things. Okay, now some biblical instruction for cultivating fruit. And uh, I think we'll just take time to go over to Second uh, Peter chapter uh, 1. Because I think this will really help you. And this ties back in with some of the things that we shared about who we are in Christ. If you'll remember in uh, one of our lessons about nurturing new believers, we talked about of the importance of knowing who you are in Christ. And if you'll notice in First Peter, or Second Peter, I'm sorry, Second Peter chapter 1. And we'll begin reading there in verse 2. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness 
through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And again, I would encourage you to read on there through verse 9 uh, on your own uh, study time. But I want to just emphasize this first part here. Uh, in verse 3 there, he says, According as his, his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How many think that, that our God is powerful? Amen. Well, it Amen. says his power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So that means that God's power is behind this work of godliness in your life. It's not something you're doing in your own strength. The powerful, almighty God of the universe uh, is giving you the strength to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, to walk in love. And then I want you to notice in the fourth verse here, whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. These are the promises of God concerning you as a new creature in Christ. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. When you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he came into your heart and he made you different than you ever were before. You have a clean heart in you. You have the power of God in you. You have the nature of Christ in you. This is a spiritual reality. You know, I was listening to a preacher, and you know, sometimes you hear some things uh, in your life that, you know, I've listened to many sermons, but what, how many know, sometimes there's like a nugget that you hear and it sticks with you. And so this man was talking about when he came to the Lord as a teenager, and he had already gotten involved in some sin earlier in his life. But he said after he received the Lord, you know, he made a clear decision to follow Jesus. He, he kept saying all the time, he kept confessing with his mouth, I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm a new creature in Christ. So he would walk to school saying, I'm a new creature in Christ. So he was speaking his faith. He was believing in the promise. And you see, the scripture said, according, uh, uh, whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Uh, we need to believe what God has said about us. We need to believe I'm a new creature. You know? Uh, you know, sometimes I'll see a Christian and I say, well, how are you doing there, man of God or woman of God? And they'll say, well, I'm trying. They've got this kind of poor mouth attitude about themselves. And it's, it's in disagreement with the Word of God. We are new creatures in Christ. So we need to believe that in our heart and speak it with our mouth. I'm a new creature in Christ. I have the fruit of the Spirit. I'm walking in love. I'm walking in peace. I'm walking in all the fruit of the Spirit. I'm growing in Christ. I'm a new creature. Christ is in me, the hope of glory. See, these are the exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. When we talk about confession in the Word of God, there's two kinds of confession. First, there's the confession of sin. That's when you acknowledge that you've been wrong and done wrong. Okay? And that's important. That's, that's part of pulling the weeds. But then there's the confession of faith when you confess what God's Word says about you. And that's uh, as important or more important, even, than the confession of sin. Confess who you are in Christ. You know, the Bible said, uh, Hold fast the confession of your faith without wavering, for he is faithful who promised. For example, what does the word of God say about the blood of Jesus upon your life? He says, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It says, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, 
you have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all sin. So I confess I'm cleansed by the blood of Jesus. So let me just lead you in a confession today. Just say these words. Just say, Dear Father, Dear Father, Thank you. Thank you. For sending Jesus. For sending Jesus. To die for me. To die for me. He paid the price. He paid the price. For my forgiveness. For my forgiveness. His blood was shed for me. Blood was shed for me. He died. He died. And he rose again. And he rose again. And Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Is my Lord. He is my Lord. And he has made me. And he has made me. A new creature. A new creature. I'm new. I am new. I'm different. I am different. Your love is in me. Your love is in me. All the fruit of the Spirit is in me. All the fruit of the Spirit is in me. I'm walking in the Spirit. I am walking in the Spirit. I'm a new creature. I'm a new creature. Christ is in me. Christ is in me. Love is in me. Love is in me. I'm a partaker. I'm a partaker of the divine nature. Of the divine nature. I have escaped the corruption. I have escaped the corruption. That is in this world. That is in this world. Through lust. I'm new. I'm new. You made me new. You made me new. I believe your word. I believe your word. I confess your word. I confess your word. I'm a new creature. I'm a new creature. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Does that help you? Yes. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay. So uh, your homework is to study and meditate these scriptures and talk to the Lord in prayer about cleansing, abiding in Him and fruitfulness, uh, to begin to train yourself to walk in the Spirit, uh, to pull the weeds and nurture the fruit. Ephesians 5, 8 says, you, you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And so for your uh, practical exercise here, uh, after I sign off, I want to encourage you to pray for one another. And I'm thinking with the size of the group there, if you have time, if maybe you could just pray for each individual. Uh, just, you know, have maybe a person just pull that seat out there in the middle and just all of you stand around each individual and pray for them uh, for the fruit of the Spirit to be in their life, that they would grow in Christ and mature and that the Lord would help them to pull the weeds and nurture the fruit in their life. Just pray individually. And I want you to begin to Ask God to lead you by His Spirit when you pray for people. That you don't just pray, you know, something you think you should pray, but you're asking God to inspire uh, your prayer. So as you pray for one another, and lay, just lay hands on one another, too, then ask the Lord to give you the words to pray for each individual that they need in their life. And so I believe that uh, this will be a great encouragement and strength for you and that God will use this uh, time of prayer uh, in a powerful way in your lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. So uh, why don't you just receive and I'll pray for you and then I'll sign off. Yeah. Just receive from the Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your precious people that have sat tonight and listened to the word of God. And Lord, it's, I know it's just a very simple teaching, but it's so powerful that we can receive this in our hearts and begin to uh, access the power of God and begin to flow in the fruit of the Spirit. And I just pray for everyone listening, Lord, that your anointing of strength would go into them, Lord God, and the power of your love would begin to operate in them, and they would begin to flow in the Spirit like never before, God. I just thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit in each lives, Lord, that we can pull the weeds and cultivate the fruit of the Spirit of God. 
In Jesus' name I pray. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. It's been a joy to be with you again. Thank you for your uh, attentiveness and your hearts for the Lord. And I look forward to uh, seeing you again next week, same time. Amen. Bye-bye. Thank you, Pastor Tom. God bless you.